everybody, and welcome on in to our broadcast. My name is Jacob Ayer, and alongside me are Jake McGrail, Corey Branson, Nico Roselli, and both Byron and Alan Wang of CITR Sports, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the unceded grounds of the Musqueam people. You're listening to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9, always keeping you up to date with the latest UBC Thunderbirds news, standings, and stories. It is very cold outside here for Vancouver. Winter has officially cast its spell across the lower mainland, and it unfortunately negatively affected a couple of the Thunderbirds teams. This past weekend, there were three teams who did well, so they weren't really affected by the chillier weather, but then there were also three teams who did not. Both basketball teams swept Trinity Western, while men's volleyball thrashed McEwen, women's volleyball, and the two hockey teams went a collective 0-6, extending unusually long losing streaks for all of those three teams, most notably of the UBC women's volleyball team, who is coming off of a U-sports victory season last year. We'll talk about that right now. So for the women's volleyball side, they did not start off the new year right. They were swept by McEwen. Match one was an absolute rout. The Thunderbirds lost 3-0, only recording more than 15 points in one of those three sets. Yeah, it was very, very not great offensively in this game. The Thunderbirds were putrid on that end. They had a 0-2-0 hitting percentage below 100. They only had two players hit over 100 individually. Those were Kara Kovacs, who led the team with six kills. When your team leader has six kills, that's usually not a great sign. Generally not. Whether you're going to win the game. There's also Tessa Davis, who in her return from the lineup after studying abroad in first semester, she only had six total attacks and just two kills. Yeah, and even if those statistics sound bad for those players, it wasn't pretty for anybody else either. Gabby Atea had just five kills and ten digs in her worst offensive output of the season. And Anna Price, Jade Robertson, and Bryn Passan combined to hit negative 158. And what I'm wondering about is Tessa Davis, she's coming back. She's kind of got to take a veteran leadership role because she's in her graduate studies here at UBC. Last year, she was one of the main components in that um, kind of onslaught of offense for the Thunderbirds and I know it's just one game back but she will have to see improved performance if the Thunderbirds want to somehow turn around the season yeah and on the other side the Griffins hit .308 they led the ace count 10 to 3 and they led the block count 14 to 4 so things were definitely not good in the first match they did get slightly better in the second one but it was still another loss for the Thunderbirds who fell 3 to 1 Liv Ferlin made her much-anticipated return to the lineup. She is the core of this team. And though she managed to record 30 assists and 15 digs in her first action of the season, UBC's offense just couldn't take what she was giving and turn it into productive statistical numbers. It was Passan who led the team in kills with 10, along with 8 digs and 4 blocks. But even with those nice numbers, she only hit Point zero eight one. The Thunderbirds as a team hit just 061, and this was and she was the only one over 120 as she recorded nine kills and six digs while hitting 217. Yeah, the Thunderbirds actually recorded one more kill than the Griffins, but committed 17 more attack errors and again lost the ace battle. That was 10 to 7. And I think that speaks to the inexperience of a lot of the Thunderbirds offensive uh, mainstays now with the leaving of Kira Van Rijk last year. She was such a heavy workhorse on that team that I think a lot of the younger pieces didn't get 
the introduction that they probably needed to have a lot of success this year. Yeah, it was uh, it was Davis who hit 217 to uh, lead the team. And that nice to see her get back to closer to what she was last year, but obviously wasn't close to being enough against the Griffins. And the Thunderbirds have now lost five matches in a row. The set count of those five games combined 15-3 to in favor of their opponents. And they've only hit over 110 in one of those five games, which is not what you like to see. They're now just 6-8, and eight, tied with UBC Okanagan for 8th in Canada West, and only 8 teams make the playoffs. So if they don't turn things around, then there's actually a chance they could miss the playoffs a year after winning the national championship, which even the men's team didn't do when they were terrible to start the season last year. And my big question is, what changed? They started off 6-3, and three, and then all of a sudden, this 5-game slide that's pushed them under 500. You wonder if there was something mental that maybe affected them, knowing how long Furland was out. Maybe it was that some of the younger pieces, like I mentioned, just weren't getting the playtime, and now they have those heavy workloads. They're going to have to fix it somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And the only good news is that the Thunderbirds' next opponent is Manitoba, who have lost 10 in a row and are at 2-14. After the Bisons, UBC is tied with last place Regina for the longest active losing streak in the conference. So it's a tough go of it right now for that Thunderbirds women's volleyball team, but The men's team had quite the opposite result. They were actually perfect over the Griffins, winning both matches 3-0. Of course, these Griffins were not quite as good as the women's side. They are just 2-12, the second-to-worst record in the conference. But it was still good to see that the Thunderbirds could dominate an opponent, regardless of their standing. Match 1 was a slaughter, as the Thunderbirds won by at least 8 points in every set. And For those who are unfamiliar with volleyball, you only get up to a maximum of 25 if there's no extra play. So, pretty notable. And the team hit 529 collectively. Yeah, the kills and hitting percentage sections of the box score. Some insane reading. Matt Neves led the team with 8 kills, hit 500. Michael Dahanyuk, 6 kills, 500. Colton Liu, 6 kills, 455. Ben Hooker, 6 kills, perfect 1,000. Jordan DeShane, 5 kills, 714. Gerard Murray, 4 kills, 1,000. Nick Mickleberry, 3 kills, 1,000. I, lo- it does I love not get to better see those that. thousands. <laughs> Those are great. <laughs> some great some great thousands, including from your setter with a perfect six kills. That's not great from McEwen. <laughs> ben, Ho- ben Hooker is a very good setter where he can like transition into almost an offensive hitter role from times. So I'm not that surprised to see that he tallied six kills. <laughs> he has really good hops, he, too. He is really good, yeah. Him and um, Jonathan Lee. Jonathan Lee. The five foot six libero with <laughs> 40, 40 plus inch vert. You have to see it to believe it. It's insane. <laughs> For those who are unfamiliar, I think it's Jacob's name on our Facebook group chat is Jonathan Lee has a 40 inch vert. This is not the first got, time he's brought this up. You got to spread the word. Go to warm ups. Yeah. Honestly, he does it usually once every second match or so. Uh, meanwhile, looking at the opponent, McEwen, uh, they were playing kind of like the UBC women's volleyball team this weekend as they hit just 127, zero aces, and only one block. Their coach, Brad Poplowski, was understandably displeased with what happened. He said his squad looked like a rec volleyball team out there, Ooh. and I can't say I disagree, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough coming from the coach. I mean, I understand you're 2-12, and 12, you're frustrated, but still. I mean, that's pretty demoralizing. Will that really improve how your team plays next time out? Really? To be fair, I think they would already be pretty demoralized after letting a team hit 529 on them. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, looking back at the game, this game was over so quickly that almost no one on the Thunderbirds were able to compile impressive stat totals outside of hitting percentage. 
Jordan Deshade led the team with six blocks, while Neves added four of his own. Danny Aspenleiter led the team in digs with just four. Hooker served two aces along with his 27 assists. And then match two came along. It was another easy win for the Thunderbirds. They hit not much worse collectively. 455, they beat McEwen in kills 41-28 to and held the Griffins without an ace for the second straight match. No wonder the rec volleyball team may have got the shout out. Outside of the setters, four Thunderbirds hit 500 or better, led by Dalhaniak, who had nine kills and three blocks. He hit 571. And Liu also had nine kills and a .529 hitting percentage, though he did record seven service errors. Murray had five kills and hit .556, while Mickleberry recorded four kills and a .5 percentage off the bench. Yeah, after this incredible offensive display on the weekend, the Thunderbirds, they now lead Canada West in kills per set at 12.5 and aces per set at 2.4, just ahead of Trinity Western in both of those categories. Thunderbirds are also now second in hitting percentage at 325 behind only, you guessed it, Trinity Western. And that's what I was going to say. I mean, being right there, neck and neck, with the probably one of the best volleyball programs on the men's side in all of Canada very impressive. But they're, they've won three of the last four national championships. Right. I looked this morning. The only other team was UBC a couple years ago. So very good to even keep up with their three-headed beast. Uh, I think it includes <laughs> Eric Lepke, who's been a consistent 400 or 350-plus hitter throughout all his years at TWU. Yeah, I believe he's a Canadian, full Canadian national team member as well already. Yeah, they have some beasts on their team for sure. Yeah, and at 11-3, UBC now sit tied for second in the conference with Brandon. They've won 10 matches in a row. The only team on a better streak are the Spartans, who have 13-1, have won 12 in a row and are only lost five sets all season. The Thunderbirds will face off with the Spartans next week, but first they play Manitoba, who are tied for sixth in conference at 7-7. The Thunderbirds have won four of their last five meetings with the Bisons. Again, it's just stats. We're not <laughs> just saying stats. anything. Believe me, I know. I'm, I'm the superstitious one. I, I feel like I have to say it now that it's just that. I'm not making any predictions. Well, it makes sense. You're a right. hockey guy. It's a very superstitious well, sport. And baseball. Let's not forget about the okay. baseball no-hitters. Right. Those are even worse. Yes. Anyways, speaking of hockey, we'll jump into the world of hockey now. Both UBC hockey teams continue to look for their first victories of 2020 after the men and women were both swept by Regina this past weekend. The losing streak for both teams has now hit eight games. Eight games. And the last time either of our teams managed to record a victory was November 16th against Lethbridge. Three months ago? Uh, two months ago. Two months ago. November, December. Ah, <laughs> math has failed me yet again. Jacob is an inclusive counter, actually. <laughs> <laughs> we'll look at the women's side first. And as it relates to the women, we have talked about the recent lack of goal scoring for the women's side. And those same problems returned as they not only failed to grab a victory... They also failed to record a goal over both of their last two games. Nico, you're starting to sound like me back in the days when the UBC football team was losing by like 30 points every game. <laughs> Just the constant like lower tone in the voice. Yes, yeah. it's very somber. You know what's coming. It's very monotone. <laughs> uh, first game loss was definitely a tough pill to swallow for the Thunderbirds as they outshot Regina 34-14 to and had 11 power play chances. Come again, Corey? How many power play chances? 11! That's over could, that's over a third of the game. That's yeah. <laughs> that is 22 minutes on the power play. Uh they still could not find the back of the net and they would lose one to nothing. Yeah, Tori McLash again solid. She only faced 14 shots. He saved 
13 of them, but on the other side it was Regina's Jane Kish. That was the hero, came up big over and over, 34 saves for her fourth shutout of the season, and this offense is just not doing well. It's like the women's volleyball team out there. Come on, you guys. You can do it. <laughs> right. Hey, they got to put it together. They have some good pieces, right? You got your Furlins. You have your equivalent kind of pieces, I think, to a degree. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Nico has a better... In theory, we do. In theory. Well, I mean, there are good players. You look at Ogradnachuk. I mean, in the past, there was someone like Tardif to really lead the team. The thing that they have going for them is they have Miklash and Net. Right. So you know that if they can put in one or two goals... Tori's going to be able to keep their team in it and ultimately maybe steal a game or two. It's just a matter of getting those goals to go in. Right, right. And the lone gold game came from Jordan Kobita at the 9.27 mark of the third period when she managed to beat McLash with a wrist shot. UBC did their best to respond, but Kish was up to the task and was sharp in the third, denying all 12 shots that came her way. And now looking at game two, Kish and Kobita continued to perform uh, to finish off the rest of the series, which ended in yet another shutout for the Thunderbirds, this time losing 3-0. to zero. It is worth mentioning that two of the three goals for the Cougars were scored on an empty net, so technically maybe it was another one nothing scoreline again, but it just it always hurts when you go two games in a row, you don't record a goal. Two when goose you, eggs, right? Two goose eggs, and you know that goal scoring is starting to be a problem. It starts to eat at the back of your head a little bit. Mental aspect comes into play, so tough. I will say both the teams did manage to record 18 shots. The score actually remained tied at zero heading into the second period when Jordan Kolbita would find Chelsea Halson, whose shot deflected in past McLash for her first of the season. McLash would then stop the rest of the 17 shots she faced. So maybe not a bit unlucky, but a well-set-up play to get past her. And then sometimes that's all you need. The rest, she wasn't there to even try and defend. Yeah, and then Jane Kish was once again in net for the Cougars and would record her second shutout in as many nights. With two minutes remaining, UBC opted to pull their goalie and Regina capitalized with two empty net, sh- net goals, one coming from Kolbita to give her three goals and one assist for the weekend. Yeah, Regina now tied with UBC for fifth in Canada West with 26 points. Lethbridge, who are in seventh, right in their heels with 23 points. Reminder, only the top six make the playoffs in Canada West. So they're they're close to falling out of that playoff picture. And incredibly, the men's hockey team is in a worse position right now. <laughs> Woohoo! Good job. Looking at the men's, um, the men's team, they lost their first game away in Regina 4-2 and their second game 2-1 to in overtime. Those losses and the series sweep have big implications for the Thunderbirds. We were just talking about the playoffs. Both of those losses mean that UBC now sits one point behind Regina, seventh in Canada West standings, which means they are outside of a playoff spot as of now. And game one didn't really get off on the right foot. UBC stumbled right out of the gate as the first goal of the game came at just 152 off of the stick of Regina's Scott McCoskey. That also happened to be... Regina's very first shot of the game, so definitely not the way you intend to start things in net. No, things didn't get off to the way they wanted it to start, and it just continued to go downhill from there. Tristan Fry added another goal in the first to put the Cougars up by two, and after Matt Revel uh, would pull one back for the Thunderbirds, they were undone by two quick second-period goals from Ben Dupero and McCoskey once again. I like that pronunciation, Corey. That was great. And UBC got a consolation goal with four seconds left when Carter Popoff scored shorthanded. But it was obviously far too late 
as the Thunderbirds ended 3-for-3 on the penalty kill, but 0-for-4 on the power play. Yeah, goal scoring not going well for either of our hockey teams right now. In Game 2, UBC did outshoot Regina 42-33, to and they scored the opening goal of the night through Austin Vitterell, but it wasn't enough to secure the victory as they ended up falling in double overtime. Yeah, the Cougars tied the game early in the second, the final goal of regulation. In the first overtime, the Cougars were awarded a penalty shot, but that shot was rung off the post. Just 12 seconds into the second overtime, however, Landon Peel scored a breakaway to win it for Regina. Always tough to lose in double overtime. Is Yeah, Cougars' uh, Brandon Holtby, he was a monster in goal for his second victory of the weekend. Full credit to him, stopping 41 of 42 shots. He improved his Canada West lead in save percentage up to 920. Yeah, That's pretty so nice. Obviously now massive playoff implications riding on Thunderbirds next series. They need to get a win against Manitoba this weekend. At least one. Hopefully two. And this Friday, it's the Winter Classic. So if the Thunderbirds are to break off this losing streak, this would be the time to do it. Please, <laughs> hockey teams, just do it for Nico. You know, if, he, uh, if he has to write about another four losses next <laughs> week, he might lose his mind. I think they picked a good game for the Winter Classic, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I mean... If we were playing like Alberta or somebody like that, get it'd be, it'd be like the football homecoming game. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see what ends up happening. We do want you to all go out and support. In previous years, there was beer. So if sports aren't enough to tempt you, maybe some drink is. I don't know if that's happening this year. Don't quote me on it. You cannot sue me if there isn't. <laughs> but do show up. We're going to take a quick break for ads and PSAs and then come back to you with some very, very important basketball news from this past weekend. mental health, ADHD and ADD, and many, many more topics we explore and cover. But where? On CITR's All Access Pass. A unique and collectively run show on equity, inclusion, and creating awareness for people of all abilities in BC and around the world. Catch us every other Wednesday afternoon from 3 to 4. If you want more info or want to get involved, please find us on Facebook or send us an email at accessibilitycollective at citr.ca. A sandwich is a quick meal that you can make easily with a variety of ingredients you have around your home. Sandwiches usually consist of meat, cheese, vegetables, and condiments in between two slices of bread. You can experiment with different ingredients in your sandwich, or you can follow a recipe to make a well-known classic. Once you make your sandwich, enjoy it hot or cold with your favorite side. On Friday, January 17th, CITR 101.9 FM presents our annual 24 Hours of Radio Art Programming. It's a full day of spoken word, drone, field recordings, sound collage, thunderphonics, robocalls, voicemail fails, sound art, and noise. CITR's 24 Hours of Radio Art, January 17th. Listen live or online at CITR.ca. A sandwich is a quick meal that you can make easily with a variety of ingredients you have around your home. Sandwiches usually consist of meat, cheese, vegetables, and condiments in between two slices of bread. You can experiment with different ingredients in your sandwich, or you can follow a recipe to make a Hello and welcome back to Thunderbird High. After wading through the doldrums that were hockey, it is now time to turn to some fun, some record-breaking even news in basketball. Before we get to the record-breaking part, we're going to start with just looking at the games that happened. 
it was a good weekend for both the basketball teams, although especially the women's who destroyed Trinity Western in both games. They shattered their season high in scoring in game one with a 95-58 to victory where Jessica Hansen scored a season high 24 points on 10 of 14 shooting and Keelan Filowich added 21 points, 9 rebounds, and 2 blocks. Haley Council, she came off the bench for the first time this season and recorded 11 points, 6 rebounds, and a career high of 6 assists. In total, 10 different Thunderbirds scored, and 9 had at least 1 assist. Yeah, UBC shot a season-high 52% from the field, and though they only hit 6 threes, they scored 58 points in the paint, the same amount the Spartans scored in total. And then you look inside the paint, their dominance was continued in the rebounding statistic. The Thunderbirds actually outdid the Spartans 54-30 to in that category and had 20 offensive rebounds, a theme that was kind of throughout both games and even potentially on the men's side to some degree. And the one area where the Thunderbirds continued to struggle was the free throw line, where they shot just 13-22. to They're shooting 65% from the line this season, which is actually second worst in all of Canada West. I mean, free throw shooting has been something that's been a, been trouble for this women's basketball team for the last couple of years even. So hopefully they can improve, but at this point it's probably going to continue <laughs> to be a Do you think weakness. it's a lost cause? Is <laughs> that what you're saying? I mean, after like a year and a half, it might it might be a bit of a lost cause. Well, yeah, you but, know what? They're doing something right over there because <laughs> they're getting wins. Yep, game two, just as much of a blowout as the first. Thunderbird scored 100 points for the first time since November of 2018. I called history. I would just like to point this out. Well, relative history. Yes, Jacob <laughs> Jacob was play-by-play play for that game, and they did score the 100th point at the buzzer of a game they're already winning by 40 points. So and you know what? <laughs> you called the game before where they didn't score 100 <laughs> points, so maybe I'm the I, good luck charm. I'm just saying. That it wasn't very sportsmanlike. Uh, Hansen, she scored 24 points for the second straight game. Filowich double-doubled with 23 points, 14 rebounds, and 3 blocks. It was a great weekend overall for those two. Just to be clear, those two means Hanson and Filowich, not Jake and Jacob, even though they like to talk about <laughs> each great, other Great so weekend much. for us as well. <laughs> we did great, Jake. Good job out there on Thursday. Yeah, you too. <laughs> These last two games were Hanson's third and fourth highest scoring performances in her career, while Filowich scored a combined 44 points on 19 of 25 shooting. Another day in the office for her, honestly. <laughs> Filowich is definitely a mainstay on the team and one of the best offensive and defensive contributors. Four other Thunderbirds scored in double figures, though, including Kate Johnson, who scored 10, second highest total this season, along with a career-high eight assists. Also, I just want to interrupt to say probably the funniest moment of any of the basketball games this past weekend. Thunderbirds had hit, I think it was three threes in a row. Hanson had hit back-to-back threes. The ball gets swung over to Johnson, wide open, above the break, behind the three-point line, catches it, pauses, dribbles one step forward so she's just inside the three-point line, and then shoots and makes the jumper. It was great to see. That was in game two, right? Or was that in game one? That was in game one. That was the one I called. Oh, okay, okay. That's <laughs> that interesting. Was, she she does not shoot the three, but her two-point jumper is it's pretty good. So. <laughs> so maybe it's a mental thing. She's like, no, I can't do this from a half foot back. But you know what? Get one foot on the line. I'm good to go. It, it worked. And it was the, the same story inside. The Thunderbirds scored 66 points in the paint, out-rebounded the Spartans 56-35, to and had 23 offensive rebounds. Yeah, entering this weekend, UBC was averaging 69 points a game, and their season high was 80. 
They averaged 97.5 points in these two games, which bumped their season scoring average all the way up to 73 points, which is now fifth in the conference. So thank you to Trinity Western for giving us that uh, nice bump. I will say, didn't Trinity Western concede the most points coming into this weekend in the league? Yeah, they'd also conceded 100 points in one of their games the past weekend. So, (laughs) I mean... It's not as impressive, but still, a feat done well. Congrats, Thunderbirds. So their volleyball team is good, and their basketball team maybe not as good. Rebuilding, let's call it. Rebuilding, of course. Yes. Every team goes through it. Uh, looking at the Thunderbirds now, they are 10-4, and four, fourth in Canada West. And keeping a top-four seat is big, as that would mean a first-round buy in the playoffs. Next up is a home-and-home series against Victoria, against whom the Thunderbirds are 16-10 and 10 all-time. They split the series last year with both teams winning their home game. And speaking of putting up a lot of points, the men's team, they had a stiffer test in Game 1 against the Spartans, though they also emerged victorious, 109-102 to the final. Jaden Cohey, Grant Shepard, and Grant Audu all scored 22 points. Shepard, the most efficient out of those three, shooting 7-for-12 from the field, 8-for-9 from the free-throw line. This was quite the shootout, as it was the first Canada West game this season where both teams scored 100-plus points in regulation before this, the most... U- the most points that UBC had given up in the same in the season was 86. And I think a lot of that had to do with the like very intense running gun, don't run down the shot clock offense. Yeah, it was it was pretty ridiculous. <laughs> and the Spartans certainly pushed the pace relentlessly and had 83 shot attempts, 22 more than the Thunderbirds. They shot 47% from the field and hit 13 threes compared to just four for UBC. But the difference was that they committed 33 fouls which led to 53, 52 sorry, free throw attempts for UBC. They hit 45 of them. Which 52 is, free throw attempts. Which is rounded up to 87% shooting. It's 86 <laughs> and a half from the free throw line as a team. 52 free throw attempts. That, that's, that's not right. It dates back to 2004, last yeah. time the Thunderbirds had that many free throws. Pretty crazy. Well, a game that's this fast-paced, you'd often call it a track meet, but with all these fouls being called, it's like a track meet where there's a false start every single time. (laughs) It's like the beep test. Yeah, exactly. An example of how absurd this is, Manroop Clare, he had 15 points, pretty good night, only on one of two shooting. He shot 13 of 14 from the free throw line. 95 of UBC's 109 points were either in the paint or from free throws. So they're getting it done inside. You know, if, <laughs> if it ain't broke, just just keep going inside. And on the other side, the Spartans' Jaqueline Gilbreth recorded the highest-scoring triple-double in Canada West history. He had 33 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists in the loss. It was just all-around so much history going on for this <laughs> UBC basketball team. And Jaqueline Gilbreth is one of the most freakish athletes you will ever see. His ball control is ridiculous. He's not even that tall. He's like 6'2", maybe, but he's just able to get past like a triple block from very athletic UBC Thunderbirds, somehow get off a layup or hit a three outside. Try and go see him either online or in person. He's Super ba- impressive. basically the Russell Westbrook of U Sports. Very impressive. Yeah. Game two, another offensive clinic. Thunderbirds shattered their season high in scoring with 124 points, just three points shy of the school's all-time regulation record. It was a 124-94 final. Both Kohi and Shepard double-doubled. Kohi, 26 points, season high, 11 assists. Shepard, 21 points, 11 rebounds. And Shepard did that in just 18 minutes because he fouled out. Yeah, there was actually four players who fouled out in the game. I believe three Trinity Western players, or it may have been two and two, but... Well, it got a little ugly towards the end. And the Thunderbirds shot 54% from the field. Six players scored double digits, and nine players scored at least seven points. 
Again, the Thunderbirds feasted inside with a combined 97 points in the paint or at the free throw line. And then interestingly, despite the huge point totals, the Thunderbirds are in a bit of a three-point shooting slump. They shot 7 of 22 from deep this game, the third game in a row where they've shot below 35% from three. Not that that's terrible, but it's definitely more mediocre than they're used to. That only happened twice in their first 11 games. Yeah, like the women's team, though, Thunderbirds dominated the glass. They grabbed a season-high 59 rebounds, 14 of them on the offensive glass, and that includes seven from my boy, Lincoln Rosebush. It was it was dark times in between Thursday and Saturday on Game 1, Lincoln Rosebush. Three minutes, nothing in the box score. First time that's ever happened. I thought the bit was going to die. Corey was laughing at me. No, we were all kind of laughing you at You were all <laughs> laughing at me, but Corey, I, I focus on him in particular. Game 2, though. Heart of a champion, incredible resilience. He played 13 minutes, 7 points on 2 of 3 shooting, season high, 7 rebounds, and a steal. He's now 3rd on the team in field goal percentage and 2nd in free throw percentage. Efficiency god. And Jake McGrill got a shout out on air because I I realized how good Lincoln Rosebush was doing. If you go back and watch the game, there was about a 6 second clip where I say, wow, Basically, look how good Lincoln Rosebush is. Jake really likes him, more or less. And, and it's, I name it's you spreading. It's spreading. On our group chat, we were talking about our names earlier. Who wants to tell the people what Jake's name is on our group chat? I refuse. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say it has something to do with Lincoln Rosebush and him being a big fanboy. Yeah. But there we go. Uh, this week's series is very big coming up as the Vikes are fifth in Canada West at 9-3. and three. And the Thunderbirds are third at 11 and three. The Thunderbirds are 14 and eight all time against the Vikes, though they have won eight in a row. The Vikes have not beaten them since November 2014, and all this action is happening first Thursday, then later on Saturday. Yeah, Thursday is the home game, and then Saturday they play in Victoria. All right, so Jake mentioned a little bit about records being shattered this weekend in basketball. We're going to get into that now. It's rare that a January weekend in the middle of the Canada West season would matter too much, but a couple of monumental milestones were surpassed by our basketball coaches just a few days back. Men's coach Kevin Hansen and women's coach Deb Hubbin became the winningest coaches in Canada West history on Thursday and Saturday, respectively, with Hansen earning victory number 314 and Hubbin getting 338. Hansen then extended his new lead on Saturday with that second win over the Spartans. Congratulations to the two of them. Yeah, it's uh, it's human, just so you know. It's Corey. human. Now we get to <laughs> Don't laugh mess at you. with her. She will yell at you about <laughs> All right, that. I'm so sorry, Deb. <laughs> she he is now the one that has messed up pronunciation. It's great. Uh, human has been in charge for 25 years now. Hansen has only been here for for 20 seasons. Cuban's first victory all the way back, November 10th, 1995, against the Golden Pandas. Hansen got his first on October 28th, 2000, against the Winnipeg Westmen. Each coach passed a Canada West legend in breaking the record. Hansen broke the tie with Golden Pandas coach Don Harwood, who worked from the sideline from 1983 through 2009. Cuban passed her own mentor, former Thunderbirds player Kathy Shields, who was the Vikes bench boss for 22 seasons between 1978 and then 2001. Hansen edges Hubend in winning percentage over the years, earning a .77 mark in his two decades of service compared to Hubend's .664. Hansen also leads in Canada West titles, five to Hubend's four, but the women's coach has had much more success on a national level, winning three U Sports titles in the span of five years from 2004 to 2008. Hansen has still yet to bring UBC to all Canadian glory on the men's side. 
And then speaking of U Sports, both coaches now sit fifth all-time in wins across the entire country. Huben is chasing U of T's Michelle Belanger, who has 471 victories in her 41-year oh tenure in Toronto. So, so actually, her winning percentage probably isn't nearly what Huben's is. Yes, just longevity. Right. While uh, Hanson trails St. Francis Xavier's Steve Konchalski and his 552 wins. He has been coach of the X-Men since 1975. Still hanging around. That's even more than Belanger. He's well into his uh, 40s. 45 years? Yeah, 40, wow. 45 years. Uh, he and Belanger both still the coaches of UNT and St. Francis. So, it'll be, so, so their win total keeps climbing. Yeah, it'll be difficult for Hanson and Huben to get all the way up to number one. <laughs> Yeah, and each coach con- contributed to Varsity Letters articles while on the precipice of breaking the records. If you want more information on their career journeys, we highly recommend you check those pieces out. Finally, taking a look at what's coming up this weekend, we've mentioned that basketball taking on Victoria here at home on Thursday. I also mentioned on Saturday, both volleyball teams and women's hockey are on the road in Winnipeg to take on Manitoba, while men's hockey plays Manitoba here at home in the Winter Classic. Check it out. Also Saturday, UBC swim teams are taking part in a tri-meet against SFU and Victoria, hosted by SFU. And that's big because two meets from now is the championships for U-sports, I believe, for swimming. Yeah, those are coming up very soon. And then Saturday, hockey, volleyball, basketball all have their rematches. Men's rugby takes on Mariloma RC here at home. And then finally Sunday, men's field hockey plays India Field Hockey Club in Surrey. Thank you, Jake. And with that, thank you all for tuning in to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Besides listening to the show, the best way to keep up to date with UBC Thunderbird's news, standings, and stories is to go ahead and follow us on social media on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at CITR Sports. Next up on CITR is Flower Power Hour at 2 p.m. For Thunderbird Eye, this has been Jacob, Jake, Corey, Nico, Alan, and Byron Wang. We'll catch you next week at our now twice new time. This is our second show at the 1 to 1.30 p.m. slot on Tuesdays. And remember to go check us out on iTunes as well, at Thunderbird Eye. Thank you for tuning in and have a great rest of your day.